You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezra Hashem, tonight we're going to be continuing with our series of shirim on the world of Shabbos. And tonight is going to be the third and final shir with regards to Shabbos day itself. Last week, we spoke about Shabbos morning, Sudasa Da'asika Kadisha, that moment in time where HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows us to taste of what is stored away for the future. And because what we're tasting is still part of the future that has not yet arrived yet, therefore our experience with it is one that is tasted by way of a distance, that the feeling is one of non-feeling, or like we said in the name of Ravichemeyer Morgenstern Shlita, it's the Bechina of Ta'anug She'ena Murgash. It's an unfelt pleasure, which is when a person enters into their most unconscious state, like the Arizal would go into a deep slumber on Shabbos morning, in order to access that place where even on the unconscious level, it's revealed that even in the unfeeling experience, a Jew is connected to that loftiest place, to that place of Atika Kadisha, and that ultimately it demands a certain level of emuna to sit in that moment, in that ace, in that time that is untethered by the past of Erev Shabbos, untethered by the future of Motzei Shabbos, but rather it stands on its own like a migdal ha-pareach be'avir, like the tower that floats within the sky, as Rav Tzodak HaKohen Melublin discusses so beautifully when it comes to the time of Sukkot. Tonight, what we're going to be discussing is more similar to what we discussed on Friday night, that the world of Friday night, that place where things are reversed and what is lower is revealed to be higher on a certain level, Friday night, the experience gains its energy, it gains its potency from the fact that it shares a border with the world of Chol. It shares a border with the world of non-Shabbos. And as we know, any movement out of the lack of pleasure into the states of pleasure is going to amplify the feeling of pleasure because not only does it feel good, but I'm also no longer feeling the pain. So this doubled experience of no longer being in the pain of the week and feeling the pleasure of Shabbos, creates this doubled experience of the Tanug of Leil Shabbos, which allows us to feel it more poignantly, more intensely. Masha'in Kain, which is not the case when it comes to the day of Shabbos itself, because Shabbos doesn't have that contrast giving birth to it, because it is surrounded by Leil Shabbos and Shalashuddis, and therefore it's all parts of Kedusha, so the lack of contrast creates that non-feeling experience. Now, Shalashuddis itself is also going to be bookmarked by the opposite of Shabbos. Just as Erev Shabbos is bookmarked by, just as Friday night is bookmarked by Erev Shabbos, so too Shalashuddis, the third meal at dusk time on Shabbos afternoon, 
at the Mincha time of Shabbos, we're also going to be holding or experiencing within ourselves an awareness of what comes afterwards. That Shalashudas is bookmarked by Motzei Shabbos. So if Friday night is bookmarked by the memory of the opposite of Shabbos, Shalashudas is marked with an anticipatory fear or an anxiety of sorts or a despondency about the fact that this is about to end, that the feelings that we've had on Shabbos, the joy, the svia, the satisfaction of the soul, of sabenu mituvecha, that satisfy us with your goodness, meaning to say, allow us to feel satisfaction in this world. That's the promise of Shabbos day, the capacity, the possibility, the hava amina, the fantasy of feeling satiated. Because the opposite of Shabbos is the lack of seity. It's desire, it's lack. The experience of the chol, like we said, is the experience of shtus and anxiety, as Rabbi Nachman told us. When we enter into Shabbos, there's a feeling of tasting the future and the now, of of Hashem giving us a taste of the future reward in the present moment. And for but a glimmer of a moment, if a person is mindfully aware enough and they suspend their disbelief for long enough, Shabbos offers the individual moments of the Nahar Hayoitzamiedan, of that river that flows forth from Eden, to, to give us quite literally a taste of Me'enoilamhaba. And a person can say, where I am right now is all I need to be doing. And that satisfy me in your goodness. Let me live in a state of satisfaction. Let me stop running. Let me stop being chased. Let me sit calmly and abiding in the light of Shabbos, which is the light of the future resting within an individual in the present moment. Shalashudis is the time where a person is forced to acknowledge that that feeling, that seity, that satisfaction, however momentary it was and however powerful it felt, is ultimately transient. That the feelings of satisfaction, the feelings of sabenu mituvecha, of allow me to feel present in the right place for but a moment, Shalashudas is the time where we confront the very real fact that it's not gonna last forever that it's going to dissipate, that it's going to die, and that the feelings and the joy that we encountered and the power of that moment of satisfaction, however brief it may have been, however unconscious it may have been felt, is subject to death, and it's not going to last forever. But instead of being sad, instead of a person facing that reality of the transiency of that moment of Shabbos, and how sabenu mituvecha, the promise of satisfaction, is but a fleeting moment and a fantasy. This realization of its transience and its ultimate demise, instead of creating a despondency, chas v'shalom, or a weariness, chas v'shalom, wherein the person says, if it's not going to last forever, then why even try? If I'm going to lose it tomorrow when Shabbos ends, or tonight when Shabbos dies, why even try and pretend? Why even try and enter into that plane of ki'ilu as if all of my work is done? If I know deeply and intuitively that I'm going to wake up in an hour and I'm going to feel like all of the work is there and all of the burgeoning anxieties and concerns over the next week's mundanity are going to assault me. Why even bother? Why try and play this game? 
Now, it would be reasonable for a person to feel that. In the face of the apparent death of Shabbos, the awareness that Shabbos is about to end, that all of those powerful feelings of satisfaction, however imaginary that I felt, is not going to last forever. It, it's all too easy for a person to say that l'chatchila, even from the beginning, I should just ignore it because it's not going to last. And how transiency should erase not only the lasting feeling of presence, but even the possibility of presence from the get-go. What Chazal teaches us and what the Torah teaches us, that that's not the way that a Jewish person responds to the imminent departure of Shabbos. The imminent departure of Shabbos, living in the shadow of Shabbos's emergent death, with the awareness that Shabbos is going to die, and those feelings of Sabenu Mitovecha are going to die, and that imaginary satisfaction that we wrestled out of the world and allowed ourselves to settle in to the possibility of joy for but a moment, even though it's going to die, at Shalashudis, as it's beginning to die, we are enjoined and we are called to deepen our connection to Shabbos, not to slacken our grasp on Shabbos, not to fall prey to the traps of despondency and despair, but rather in the wake of eventuality of the death of Shabbos and the burgeoning departure of Shabbos that is banging on the doors of our hearts and our minds, what Chazal tell us is not only should you not give in to despair, feeling that Shabbos was worthless altogether, but it is specifically here as Shabbos begins to remove itself from this world. As our experience begins to dissipate, as the day ebbs away, our job Let's is get to 900,000. Yeah. Our job I mean, is to dig deeper. Our job is to dig even deeper into the experience of Shabbos and to hold it with all of our strength and to say that even though you're about to leave, even though Shabbos is about to dissipate in the fever dream of Motzei Shabbos, where we realize that the experience that we felt on Shabbos, that moment of Sabenu Mituvecha, even though it is dissipating, right now, B'Shah Hazos, at this hour of Rava Deravin, where the desire of desire is revealed, as we're going to see, right now, all I have is Shabbos. And though the dogs and the brazen dogs of the outside week, the Kalvin, the Chatzifin, these brazen animals that thwart us and destroy us throughout the week, which are nothing other than our own thoughts and imaginings and our anxieties and our despondent nekudos within ourselves, all of those things can rest silently outside the door because in here it's still Shabbos. And I don't care that Shabbos is going to end. I don't care that I'm aware that Shabbos is transient because right now I am doubling down. I am planting my feet firmly into the firm terrain of Shabbos as it begins to depart. And it is specifically the experience of Shabbos that has lived in the shadow of its eventual and imminent departure that forces us even into a deeper experience of Shabbos, where we are capable of eliciting the possibility of a desire for Shabbos, even when it's still Shabbos. Because generally speaking, and Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern Schlitta points this out countless times, the experience of an individual in this world is a two-part experience. It's a two-step dance. Both of them are part of a singular pulsation, but in our durational awareness that can only look at things once they've split apart, we experience life in two ways. There's hishtoikikus and there's bittel. 
there's yearning and there's desire and there's self-nullification. Or in other words, there is rutzon or a desire and a feeling of chisaron, of lack, of not having what I need. And then there's svia or satisfaction. And in typical fashion, this is broken down into a binary. So for example, the weekdays can be described as a time of lack or chisarun, as we saw in the name of the Morinayim, that all of the Lamed Tes Malachos emerge out of deficiency in the world. And Shabbos is a time of shleimus, maha ulam chaser menucha, and ba menucha ba shleimus, that Shabbos is a time of shleimus. So we can align in binary opposition the six days of the week and Shabbos, or the desire for something that is not yet here, and the experience of having something. Those two are typically seen as mutually exclusive because when a person is in a state of craving and yearning desire, so what is missing is a sense of satisfaction. And when a person is in a state of satisfaction, what is missing is desire and craving. So when it comes to the day of Shabbos, when it comes to the experience of Shabbos, which we say is an experience of Sabenu mituvecha, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu giving us a hint, giving us a taste, allowing us to experience the flow of the future in the present moment, that's a feeling of severe. It's a feeling of satisfaction. It's a feeling of where I sit right now, I am okay. But in that experience of being okay, in that experience of that momentary release from the anxiety of being human, there's something missing. That shleimus on its own, fullness on its own, the taste of Shabbos morning on its own, as we said, is, is not felt as intensely because it is not born out of a contrast. So the question that our tzaddikim are trying to ask is, how could it be that we can experience both the benefits of satisfaction as well as the benefits of desire at the same time? Because if I have everything I need, there is still something profoundly missing, and that is the sense of lack the sense of deficiency is missing on the morning of Shabbos because everything is there. What Shalash Shuddhas offers us is the capacity to yearn for something even in a state of wholeness. To feel that I want Shabbos so badly even though I'm sitting in Shabbos. It is the miracle of allowing the two paradoxical emotional states of satisfaction and desire or wholeness and lack to dance in unison. So that at the time of Shalashuddhis, even though we're still sitting in Shabbos itself, and it's still a time of Sabenu Mituvecha, where we say, Hashem, please allow me to be satisfied by your goodness. Let me live in that world of satisfaction, in that world of shlemus, of wholeness. Shalashuddhis comes along and it says, we're also going to be able to experience the potency of yearning but it's a yearning that is not rooted in a deficiency. It's a yearning that is rooted in the very nature of the wholeness of the day. That Shalashuddhis as the apex of the Shabbos experience is what allows us to bring out the power of desire and yearning for something that is still present. And the way that Shalashuddhis allows us to experience this is because the entire experience of Shalashuddhis is marked and constituted by the fact that Shabbos is getting ready to depart. In other words, one can look at the Shalashuddhis experience in one of two ways. One can say that Shabbos is about to end. 
I feel the anxiety and the anticipatory fear of its imminent departure. And I'm sad, but nevertheless, I'm going to be happy. So that the eventual end and the sense of death that abides during Shalashudis are symptomatic of the fact that Shabbos is about to end. But nevertheless, I choose to be happy. I choose to still feel Shabbos. That's still a darga. That's still a very lofty level. But there's another way of looking at it and saying that Shalashudis is only possible because it is so close to the death of Shabbos. That Shabbos is such an all-encompassing, all-encompassing experience that it includes within itself its own departure. That on Shalashudis, we feel the intensity of Shalashudis specifically and daika because Shabbos is about to end. So that that eventuality of the departure of Shabbos, the anxiety where all of our concerns begin to pop up in our minds again, that's not some incidental element of Shalashudis which needs to be overcome, but rather that is the very fabric that allows us to experience Shalashudis because the entire purpose of Shalashudis on a certain level, on one singular Bechina, is to give us the gift of desire in a state of satisfaction, is to allow us to feel that yearning, even though we have everything we need. Because when we yearn for something, even in satisfaction, that satisfaction begins to move. And it is the movement that allows that satisfaction of Shabbos to intensify itself. It's that Tosefes Kishud, that additional adornment to the power of the unity of Shabbos, which tells us that even feeling that I'm about to lose Shabbos becomes part of the feeling of Shabbos. So that I am yearning in a state of fullness, or I am satisfied in desire itself. There's a famous teaching from Rav Simcha Bunim of Pshischa, the Rebbe of the Kutzker Rebbe, and really ultimately the Rebbe of so many of the tzaddikim that, that we learn from, from the Ishbitzer, from the Chidushi Harim, and all the Tamidim of the Kutzker, the Avni Nezer, Sakatov, Shem Yishmiel, all of the different tzaddikim, the Vorker Hasidim. So if Simcha Bunim asks a very important question, he says that we see by the Nachash, after the Nachash has engaged in that primordial transgression, allowing the world to descend from its ideal position down into its realistic brokenness, that the punishment of the Nachash for its participation in this seduction of Adam and Chava is that it will always eat Afar, that its food is going to be the dust of the earth. And if Simcha Bunim asks a very important question, he says, human beings struggle over the fact that we have no idea where our food is going to come from the next day. We live cut through with the anxiety of privation, of not having enough. What punishment is this for the snake? It's a promise that its food will be all abundant. Dust is everywhere. The snake is never going to have to doubt a single day where its food is going to come from. So what kind of punishment is that? And Rav Simcha Punim of Pshischa says as follows. He says, all tefillah, this is something we discussed in the Shirim on Addiction, in the Shirim on Ishbitz, in the Leshem Shirim, in Rav Kook, in Rav Morgenstern Shlita. All tefillah emerges out of a sense of lack. It emerges out of a sense of deficiency. I need something. I'm broken. I am not whole. I am imperfect. And that imperfection is the very constitutive nature of what it means to be a human being. 
But that imperfection is the very thing that gives birth to the desire and that moves the engine of prayer. Without lack, without chisaron, without desire, there's no possibility of prayer, there's no possibility of hope, there's no possibility of trying to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a world where connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu seems the opposite of what we should be doing. The snake's punishment is that it lacks lack. It has no desire, it has no need for desire. And even though that appears on the one hand to offer a person a sense of fullness, it's a fullness that takes away the possibility of yearning. And therefore, when Shalashudas comes, what we're desiring is a desire for desire. In the experience of Shabbos, which is the death of desire because there's a sabenu mituvecha, satisfy me with your goodness, that satisfaction ultimately grows stale because it doesn't engage with the movement that emerges out of chisaron, out of lack. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us a gift of Shalashudas where Kavyachal HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, here, I want you to experience the fullness of Shabbos, the fullness of satisfaction. And the fullness of satisfaction cannot be experienced unless desire is included within satisfaction. To the extent that it creates the paradoxical state of satisfaction in desire or desire within satisfaction. Which is why one of the Ramazim to what the Suda of Shalashudas is referred to in the Zayar HaKadosh, and the Ari makes a big ASEC out of this, is that it's referred to as Rava Deravin, the will of the will or the desire of desire. Now, one can read that as it's the inner interiority of the desire, that a person wants things all week, and on Shabbos it's revealed what a person truly wants, as if there's a nested order to desire. But another way of reading Rava Deravin is that it is a desire for desire itself. It's not the desire of desire. It is a desire for the feeling of desire. Because we know that we need to yearn, we need to feel the impending lack to allow us to grab hold of the wholeness that is present in the moment itself. So that the sense of transiency is what allows us to grab hold of that eternal sense of Shabbos. That's the gift of Shalashudas. The gift of Shalashudis is that Nakuda where we direct our desire to the very basic sense of desire, so that the sense that we're trying to cultivate at Shalashudis is one of longing. It's b'nei heichala dechsifin, ziv anpin. It's the chabura of the individuals who are gathered together, the individuals who are joining together, sitting in that time of dusk, in that time of Shalashudis. And they're saying, all we're trying to cultivate here is desire. We're trying to learn how to maintain and hold on to that sense of lack, even in a place of wholeness. Even in a place of wholeness, we need to remember that we haven't reached the culmination. That's the miracle of Shalashuddhis. The miracle of Shalashuddhis is learning to desire, even in the state of wholeness. The Chedush Arim says it beferish. I was oichet to find this teaching tonight. The Chedush Arim says as follows. Suda shlisha shel Shabbos u'bchinas kasha alei pridoschem. That the aspect of shalishudis is the sense of it's difficult for me to take leave of you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is the aspect of shmini atzeres. When we come to realize that we're about to leave HaKadosh Baruch Hu after all of the Yamim Nora'im and after Zmane Sukkis, and all we want is Atzeres, we want to say, no, I'm going to stop and I'm going to plant my feet deeply into the ground at this moment in order to ensure that what is about to leave will be felt with more intensity. 
And the Chidush Aram says, V'yesh la'adam l'hishtoikek sh'lo'yishkach mimenu ha'ara Shabbos kol yemei shavua. That the avoid of Shalashudas is to be mishtoikek, is to yearn and to desire not to lose Shabbos. Ah, but you're still in Shabbos. So what are you mourning Shabbos over if Shabbos is still there? But rather, the secret of Shalashudas is that it is the emergence of desire within satisfaction. The ability to want something even when we have it so that every second that we yearn for it and feel it again, we embolden and intensify and multiply and potentiate that feeling of satisfaction. By tzaddikim, the time of Shalashudis, when we see in the writings of the Arizal, the time of Shalashudis is such a strange time because on the one hand, it's the loftiest of moments of Shabbos, the crescendo, if you will, when Zer'anpin, when the soul enters into that place of Arich Anpin, of the Meitzah Haratzon, where desire of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is full within the world, Kavyachol. But on the other hand, when we read the Pizmoinim and the poems that the Arizal wrote and the Zohar that were meant to repeat at the time of Shalashudis, it seems to be kind of this entire experience of, of Misa, of, of death, and a sense of death. Oy. The Arizal writes as follows in his poem for Shalashudis. Children of the order of desire, who are yearning so desperately to grab hold of the face of Zer'anpin. Let them gather together at this moment when the king is available. So already, gather together here because desire is present. Why is desire present? There's no anger here. Why are you bringing up the fact that there's no anger here if it's Shabbos? Clearly there's no anger here. And again, we see, draw close to me, show your strength. Why? There's no severe judgments. Again, why throw in the even remembrance of those severe judgments if we're sitting at Shalashudis right now? So that these brazenest dogs, all of the anxiety of our minds won't attack us. Again, here we're trying to cultivate a sense of presence but the sense of presence that the Ari is trying to cultivate within us is rooted in the shadow of all of the things that we're afraid of entering into in a moment. But Pshat is, on a certain level, on a certain level, Pshat is, and again, I'm sorry, the Ari continues. See how clear it is. See how present I am. See how deep the revelation is. To get rid of all klipin. Again, highlighting the fact that it's such a special time because evil is not present, because concealment is not present. But a person can look at this paradox, at these contradictions that the Ari is eliciting within this pismoin of B'nei Hechol as teaching us how to cultivate the joy of Shalashudis. Because the joy of Shalashudis needs to be measured by the eventual departure of Shabbos and all of the things we're afraid of and all of the things that we're terrified of entering back into, where we're not ready to let go of it, that longing desire to fight against the very reality of death. 
That is what gives birth to the experience of Shalashudis. That is why Shalashudis is eaten in darkness. That is why Shalashudis is not a time of eating and stuffing oneself. It's a time of cultivating desire. When the oinig of Shabbos, when the mitzvah of Shabbos and every other meal is felt by sevia, by satisfying the spirit and the body, Shalashudis is a time of hunger. The tzaddikim, the chidush arim, the piyazetz, the hashemim komdomo, who we're going to see, says it's a bechina of Yom Kippur. That Shalashudis is like Yom Kippur, and Yom Kippur is the darga of being satisfied in desire itself. It's a satisfaction that is so deep that it can only be felt as desire. This element also gives birth to the reality of the Zayar HaKadosh, the Nakuda that we're told to daven, that, to read at Minchan Shabbos, because the entire Mincha time of Shabbos is marked by a memory of death, which is why we say Tzidkoscha Tzedek, because it's the time that Moshe Rabbeinu was nifter, it's the time that Yosef HaTzadik was nifter, it's the time that David Malka Mashiach was nifter. David HaMelech is Mashiach ben David, Yosef is Mashiach ben Yosef, Moshe is the Bechin of Eliyahu, of the Raya Mehemna, who comes to gather together all of them. It's a time of the departure of our tzaddikim. It's a time where our tzaddikim are no longer present right now. But that very nature, that need to be mitzadeh kadin, to say tzidu kadin, and to recognize that all of those things that during the week feel hard and difficult, at Mincha and Shabbos, <coughs> They are there to illuminate desire because the desire that Ra'avadaravin, that memory of lack is what throws us even deeper into the fullness that is ebbing and departing from us. The Zohar HaKadosh that we're meant to read by Minchan Shabbos is a profound Nakuda. This is going to be in Chelek Beis of the Zohar HaKadosh, Daf Pecha Samad Beis. Tachazi, come and see. Throughout the six days of the week, when the time of Mincha comes, Mincha is a time of Yitzchak Avinu. Mincha is a time of din, of harsh judgment, of darkness, of despondency. And all of the judgments emerge and they strengthen themselves. But on the day of Shabbos, when the time of Mincha comes, which is typically a time of despondency and despair and gavura and severity and death, but on Mincha and Shabbos, the desire of desire is revealed and Asika Kadisha, the highest expression of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence in our lives is revealed and his Ratzon Kavyachal is revealed. That instead of those gavuros, what we find is laughter. Laughter is not in place of the gavuros. Laughter is born out of the very fact that this is a time of gavura. Mincha Ravadaravan is a time of desire, it's a time of lack. But nevertheless, the lack is transformed in order to magnify and potentiate the feeling of wholeness, and there's nothing else that can be so funny where the things that we typically see as deficient give birth to a sense of fullness, the desire for desire. And it was this Ratzon through which Moshe Rabbeinu, our faithful Navi, left this world, begin Laminda, so that we should know, 
that he didn't leave this world in a death that was of destruction or a death that was of darkness. The reason Moshe Rabbeinu and the Tzadikim died at Shalashodis is to teach us that those Tzadikim transform the entire concept of death. It's a death that is rooted in the loftiest Nakuda of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in our lives. Because the whole Indian of Shalashuddis is the awareness of the death of Shabbos, the awareness of the eventual departure of satisfaction. But that very awareness of its eventual departure is what gives birth to the propelling agent of desire that forces us to grab hold of that moment. The way Tzadikim talk about the moment of, of Shalashuddis, there's no other time in the world other than Purim, perhaps, that's spoken of such a level. The Chidush Arim, again, he says that when Chazal tell us that that's the Nakuda of Shalashuddis, Keneged Yaakov Avinu. When Chazal tell us that there are those who are that there are individuals who are capable of grabbing hold of reality of their lives in one moment, that time is Shalashuddis. What I want to do now in order to convey the words or, or the real intensity of what I'm trying to share about Shalashuddis, I want to make recourse to the words of Tzadikim. Everything we're saying is from the words of Tzadikim, but tonight I want to kind of actually read from our Tzadikim, because they have a way of being masbirit that I could never even try. This is going to be from the Sefer HaKadosh Tzav Veziruz, from Rav Kalanimus Kalman Shapira Hashem Yom Kondoyma, the Piyazat Nareba. Our Rebbe, you know, it's our Rebbe. This was a, uh, a journal that the Rebbe wrote when he was in the Warsaw Ghetto. On a certain level, it's some of the most poignant, painfully severe ideas that have been written on, on paper. And other points, there's some of the most precise psychological insights into the nature of therapy, into the nature of yididus and, and, and prayer and meditation. What we're looking at here now is the Rebbe's description of Shalashuddis. So this is going to be Oishaf Vav in the Sefer Savaziras. And I'm going to do my best to translate it. Because I think what the Piazetz Rebbe Hashemim Kamdomo is being masbir to us is exactly the Nakuda that we're trying to bring out in this year. Or perhaps the Nakuda that we're trying to be out, bring out in this year is what the Piazetz Rebbe is trying to be masbir for us. It starts off with. The beginning of the Rebbe's meditation on Shalashuddis is how is it possible that one doesn't enter into Shalashuddis with the trepidation that one enters into at the time of Kol Nidre? The Rebbe says as follows. There are certain times of Shalashuddis where I literally cannot find a place for myself. I imagine myself, or it appears to me as if until this point I have been completely hidden, or better, I have hidden myself from Hashem. And now I find myself in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu face to face. And the eyes of above are gazing into me and into my insides from side to side. And every nakuda, every part of me is broken and blemished with pain that is forcing me to acknowledge that brokenness. 
Shame pushes me out and fear breaks me apart. I want to hide myself amongst ordinary people under the table. But where can I go from your spirit? Where from your face can I hide? In the place that I hide from you, you're there also. And in the place that I try and conceal myself, it's filled with you. And when I come to a time where I say, that it's a prayer to the shepherd that I shall not lack. I'm not going to be afraid. Again, the entirety of Shalashudis is the Bechina of Begate Salmavis and the shadow of death. The Piyazetz Nerebbe says that my tongue attaches itself to the palate of my mouth as if I can no longer speak. Am I so chutzpahdik, am I such a liar, to jump right now from my place of shame and to grab hold of the wings of honor of the Shechina and to say, that you're with me? Can I claim such a thing? Am I that brazen? And the eyes of God, the eyes of Hashem, gaze into me so much to the point that sighs come out of every element of my heart. And there are times where I am so filled with shame and such embarrassment to the point that I feel as if I am devoid of a soul. My spirit recognizes its destitution. Even the good within me I can't bring to you, Hashem. Because what is it in the face of your holiness? My soul at that moment is similar to a worm that tries to claim its strength and beauty in the face of human beings. And then suddenly it is forced to, reveal, to see the true grandeur. And at that point, I feel like I am filled with stupidity and foolishness, stuck to the ground. Even the holiness and the purity within me are not enough to come close to you. They're nothing and they're nullified in the face of your purity. My loneliness is, is so overwhelming in front of he who fills the entire world. Even though I've always known this, says the Piyazetz Nerebi, I only knew it, but at Shalashudis, the holiness of God is so present, it's as if this realization is forced into the depths of my mind. And in relation to the light of your godliness, even the highest light within me is nothing. It's a sense of loss, it's a sense of longing, it's a sense of desire to be something. And because of my shame and my, and my embarrassment, I can't stand, I have no existence. My soul prepares itself to experience whatever it will experience. And it begins to yell out, Gam ki And I begin to realize at that moment of destitution that all I can scream out is, even though I walk in the, shadow, in the valley in the shadow of death, all I have is you. Because even the blind and foolish, broken child is calling out to his father, the king, you're my father, Aviata. And even if I'm pushed out into the foolishness and the madness of the world, my heart will still be connected to you, my father. I will continue to yell and I will continue to storm the heavens. Father, father, my king, draw me close. Show compassion on me even though I am not worthy of it because your honor fills the entire world. And from within the madness and from within the craziness, 
the scream of Avi HaMelech, my father, my king. It feels like it's not heard. And at that point came Gam Ani Bain Lahatsilaini Bain Lachas Veshalom Lo, Libi Acharecha Yehemma Veshimcha Naim Lilahaskir. It doesn't matter at that point whether you're hearing me or not hearing me, all I can do is scream out to you. Chayas Libi or Ma'enai Hu Lakracha Avi. All that I yearn for is to be able to call you Avi. Ve'afim Choshchan Afi Yomola Refesh Negator Kedushasva. And even if my entire brokenness and my entire soul is filled with filth and nastiness. It doesn't matter. I'm still going to call out to you. Your honor is still going to pull me out of that darkness and that death. Alecha, to you. Kriyas avi umal ki yirash. My cry is going to make a storm in the heaven. Gam ki elech lo yirara ki ati imadi. Even though I walk in the valley in the shadow of death, I should fear no evil because you are with me. Every moment of Shalashudis, there are times where I'm going to feel a brokenheartedness, and there are times where I'm going to feel a strength out of that brokenheartedness. But when I come to the moment of Ein Kelokenu, when I come to that moment where I realize that there is nothing but you, Akadush Baruch Hu, I find that joy. I'm not speaking about myself, but the joy comes from you, Akadush Baruch Hu. And out of the brokenness of my heart, I jump out in joy and the strengthening of the spirit. And I announce for the entire world to hear from the lowest element of the world to the loftiest heavens, from the slightest grain of sand into the malachim themselves. I scream out, there is no one like you, there is no one but you. And out of the greatness of my joy and my strengthening myself, my soul begins to inflame and it begins to dance with an intensity when I can finally say, And then when they bring the candles out and Shalashudis really gets going, when Shabbos is already almost dead, I find myself to be a completely transformed individual. All of that despondency, all of that yearning and desire was worth it. Even the brokenness of the heart in the beginning. Because even the simcha that comes afterwards was all part of one elongated singular moment and experience of purity and kedusha. Now I know this year has gone on for a little bit long, but there's another tzaddik that I want to read from this is from an essay, and there are people who know much better than I do. I don't know exactly where in the writings of this tzaddik this comes from. This is an essay that was translated on some website, some tourism website of Berdichev. And it's called The Monk's Breslover Hasidim, from a visit to Berdichev in 1911 from Reb Hillel Komdomo, another tzaddik who understood very deeply what it meant to live Begate Salmaves and to experience that lo irara ki ata imadi, person who gives their life while holding the Zayar HaKadosh, gave their entire life for the Zayar HaKadosh. I don't know who translated this, but, but to me, this summarizes everything we've been trying to say about Shalashudis. If a visitor to Berdichev wishes to hear a typical Jewish melody, let him listen to, a, let him visit to Reb Nissen Belzer's protege. If it is a Berdichev or Hasidic song he desires, he should go to the Karliner Stiebel. When the Holy Shabbos departs and the Berdichev or week arrives with its barrenness, its darkness, and its destitution, the Karliner Hasidim are still aflame. Their ecstasy has just begun and they don't even dream of bidding farewell to the Shabbos Queen. 
I heard their singing from afar one Motzei Shabbos, and I couldn't detect even a hint of sorrow. Now they are sitting in the palace of the Divine Presence. How can they bother themselves with hunger and pain, poverty and gloom? To be sure, each one of them has their many bundles of suffering at home. To be sure, these burdens are difficult to bear. To be sure, many have aging daughters and bills and rent and tuition to pay and an empty money box to cover all expenses. But if God so decrees, he must attempt to heal his wife and his children. And one is himself a bit sick. Old age encroaches, one's strength begins to fade. And the world is stricken, there is no sustenance. Tear yourself apart, but what will you accomplish? One sits at the king's table and when the Holy One blessed be he is present, there is no room for worry. We Jews have a God who lives forever. The merit of Shabbos will stand by us. The old Karlina Rebbe is surely a good advocate over there. Besides, why worry when we know that everything our father does is for the good? Even when I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I shall feel no evil for thou art with me. And here Ravel Zeitlin continues and he says, However, if one would like to hear an altogether different sort of melody, if you would like to hear a melody born of the deepest and most difficult sorrow, if one would like to see ecstasy, which is not the result of emotionalism or fervor, but only of the most profound lucid knowledge, if one would like to see how men can actually walk upon the earth and yet not be here, let him forbear to traverse the muddy bridge of her streets, let him cling to the crooked alleyways, let him pass by the ancient cemetery, the broad desolate field where the night shadows fall on orphaned hills, and where one lonely leafless tree at the edge of the meadow can bring one to tears. Afterwards, let him pass also past the so-called Lebedig shul, the shul nearest to the old graveyard. Let him pass by many other shuls that him absorb the Jewish dejection and special melancholia, which can be felt in Jewish settlements. When the divinity of Shabbos is about to depart from her children and the dark reality peers out with her lackluster eyes, let them betake himself of the shtibel of the Breslover Hasidim. Let him bring along his own broken spirit. Let him prop himself up in a dark corner and hear sigh after sigh from the Breslover Hasidim who sit around the table listening to their Rebbe's teachings. Let him feel in their sighs an expression of the speaker's words. Such a yearning for God that is unbearable. Let him listen well to what is being said. Let him not trouble himself with this or that interpretation of scripture is not smooth or tidy or may be open to various interpretations. Let him feel here the cosmic pathos, which after the moment of inner liberation must be transformed to cosmic joy. Let him feel that here hovers the spirit of the great Rebbe, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, who lifts men up from their darkest depths of hell to the highest everlasting light. Let him later observe how silently, one by one, the Hasidim leave the table, join hands, form a circle, and begin to dance. In this dance, not one awkward move can be detected. For every turn, every gesture, every inclination has been refined, ennobled, sanctified to the loftiest level. You look, but you cannot believe your eyes. They seem to be ordinary people, simple Jews, not great scholars, perhaps not scholars at all. They look like common laborers and porters. Yet such inwardness, depth of feeling and clarity of insight, such spirituality in every gesture, every footstep, every note of song is impossible to find elsewhere. All of my days, says Rav Hillel of my childhood were spent amongst Hasidim. And in my life, I have had occasion to hear and see various kinds of Hasidic singing and dancing, including some exceptional melodies from the old Chabad Hasidim. But I have never heard or saw anything equal to what I experienced in the poorly lit, forlorn shtibel of the Breslover Hasidim in Berdichev. 
Their joy is a true joy and their song is a song of redemption. They are free men. Say what you will, these people, particularly when amongst themselves, are no longer in exile. They are always at home in godliness. Outwardly, they may seem less impressive than other Hasidim. But one who has an eye to glimpse what is going on within the next fellow to God must be astounded by the honest, wholesome rejoicing of these people when through their dance they talk. As we approach the breast of Rashul, my companion, whose sympathies do not lie with the Hasidim, whispers, here must one walk more quietly. His observation is appropriate. A certain quiet holiness rests upon the shtibel. Quiet is the sigh, yet it splits the heavens. Quiet is the discourse, yet it penetrates to the depths. Quiet is the dance, but through it you seem to be carried away, in spite of yourself to other worlds. Quiet is the melody which suffuses your very being. Everything is quiet, everywhere. Aside from the Hasidim, a number of Jews come here off the street. They come by chance or out of curiosity, not always innocent or penchant for laughter or scorn, yet all remains quiet here. Everyone must listen. By his own choice or otherwise, the scoffer will be a scoffer no more. He must become sincere. This in itself testifies to the power of the spirit. That which is noble and strong must overcome that which is base and inferior. During his exposition, the speaker remarks, the Jewish people must teach the nations that there is a God in the world. One of the scoffers comes over to me and murmurs. He means that the Gentiles should attend his sermons. A little later, I see that very same scoffer watching everything with an expression of utter seriousness. He doesn't care to laugh anymore. As the dance becomes especially beautiful and joyous, I observe a 14-year-old boy, one of the curious, tell his friend, it would be so good if all Jews could be this happy with their faith. Indeed, it would be so good, my child, so good. Bezra Sashem, next week we're going to begin discussing the departure of Shabbos, the wake of Shabbos, and the experience of Motzei Shabbos, which is different than longing and desire. It's a desire to return back to what we once tasted and a desire that begins to propel us towards the incoming Shabbos of next week. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.